This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Trash Talk with TK. I'm TK Tom Kelly. In this episode, we'll talk about the Phillies. A bad last two weeks loss Tuesday night in Washington. And talk about whether they can get back on track and stay in the race for the division in to late September. Also talk about the Eagles. They get set to play Cleveland on Thursday night in preseason game number three, whether Carson Wentz will play week one, everything involved in the birds. And we will also address the NFL's helmet rule, uh, something that's been a big topic of conversation this preseason and could be disastrous for this league if it is not resolved. Thank you very much for tuning in and joining me. Let's go. So the Phillies Tuesday night in Washington lose to the Nationals 10 to 4 in what was a really disappointing game, the long rain delay um when the Phillies were down one nothing. Vince Velasquez comes back surprisingly and pitches pretty well after that. Gets two scoreless innings. Phillies in the top of the 6th inning take the lead and they go up 4 to 1. Uh Roman Quinn the homer as Drupal Cabrera Carlos Santana, each with RBI singles, and things look to be moving in the right direction, and then Victor Arano gives it up in the bottom half. The bullpen cannot keep it close. They end up getting blown out, and it's just, you know, uh, it's it's been a rough couple weeks here for the Phillies. As we head down the stretch, and they look to stay in this race, because that's really all you want. You don't need to be in first place. You don't need to be front-running. The... the Standings at this point, as far as who's actually leading, are pretty irrelevant. It really is. Because in the end, when you look at this schedule, the Phillies and Braves play each other seven times in the last ten days of the season. And the division, as long as it is close, is going to be determined in those seven to ten games. My issue at this point, and the fear I have at this point, is I don't know if the Phillies can stay in it that long. Because, you know, the fear of everybody in this town, every Phillies fan in this town, all year long, you know, when you hear all the things about why are people not more excited for this team? Why is the attendance not better down at Citizens Bank Park? Why is there there not more just general excitement about the Phillies being in a pennant race and possibly going back to the postseason? It's pretty simple. And the bottom line is, People just don't think this team is that good. When you boil it down to its simplest explanation, that's what it is. People just do not believe that this team is that good and don't believe that they have the firepower to stay in it long term. This is a team that has done it throughout the course of the year, predominantly with elite starting pitching. Aaron Nola's been fantastic. Arietta's been solid. Zach Eflin was good for a while. I mean, Velasquez and Pavetta have been fine. But lately you've seen, you know, the back end of that rotation, especially Velasquez and Pavetta, 
fall off a little bit. And the Phillies have been so reliant on that one aspect of the ball club that everything else is kind of catching up with them at this point. And that's why people haven't been that excited about this team. People can see that they are so reliant on their starting pitching when you need more than that to win. You need more than that to win big. You need more than that to win a division. They have a subpar lineup. You know, Franco and Hoskins have gotten hot at different points. Adubo Herrera was hot early in the year. He's a, a total zero offensively right now. And he had a bullpen that was abysmal for the first two months. Got better, but lately has been leaking oil once again. And it's frustrating. You know, I think Gabe Kapler's done a fantastic job, but I don't know what else he can do at this point with what he has been given. And the bottom line is, over the last two weeks, this just has not looked like a playoff team. You can you can spin it any way you want. You can look at it any way you want. The bottom line is, if you just watch these Phillies over the last two weeks, they do not look like a playoff team. They're not getting enough production from the lineup. Guys like Carlos Santana have been disappointments. I thought Santana was a good signing. I I, I was confident that at some point he would come around. As Gabe Kapler said, he'll look up at the end of the year and his stats will be where you want him to be. It's getting pretty late now. You know, you're entering the last week of August and it doesn't appear like Carlos Santana is going to round into form. Odubel Herrera, you know, as I said earlier, he is a total zero offensively right now. Not only offensively, in the field, on the base pass, he just looks lost. He looks disinterested. He looks unfocused. And I've been a pro-Odubel guy, and I know there are a lot of pro-Odubel people out there who are kind of in denial. But, you know, at some point you got to admit, this guy looks lost. He doesn't look fully engaged right now. And I don't know why that is. My theory the whole time has been that he struggled at the plate, and when he struggles in the pl- at the plate, he's the kind of guy that that's going to affect the rest of his game. It's going to affect him running the bases. It's going to affect him in center field, as we've seen several times. Uh, made some crucial errors this season that have cost this team games. The one that comes to mind, the game in Boston, when Aaron Nola pitched marvelously, and... The only run they scored uh, before extra innings was a ball that went over Duble's head that he charged um, when he, he easily should have caught. And if that doesn't happen, Phillies probably win that game one nothing because Aaron Nola was was rolling. So he's been a disappointment. Scott Kingery clearly not ready to be a everyday major league player yet. As Drupal Cabrera has been disappointing since coming over. There's no doubt he's only he's only hitting in the low two hundreds. Since the trade over here. And the Philly, that that's why I ultimately believe at this point, and it, it's disappointing to have to say this, because, you know, around the All-Star break, I thought this was a team with a real opportunity. I did. Mainly because this is a weak division, which is another reason why the Phillies are, are in a bad spot right now. The fact they have not taken advantage of an easy schedule and a weak division. But I thought they're in a weak division. They've gotten to this point with guys underachieving. They will turn it around. Things will average out, and they will 
that they they will win this division. I really thought they would, but at this point, I got to say, the more I see this team play, the more I see the mental mistakes, the bad defense, and more than anything, the lack of production offensively. I have a hard time seeing them be a playoff team right now. Bottom line, they're not getting a wild card spot. There are too many good teams in that mix that the Phillies' only hope is to win the division. And it's not impossible. I'm not saying they're totally done. You know, the Atlanta Braves are a young team, too, who hasn't been playing their best ball either. And it's only a two-game lead. But unless the Phillies turn it around right now, they're going to fall out of this race quickly. It doesn't matter if they're in first place right now, but they need to enter that final week, that final 10 days of the season, when they have all those games against the Braves, within two games. You get to that point within two games, you got a shot. But that means you would need to at least equal the Braves from now until that point, which is about a month away. And with the way this lineup has struggled and the way this lineup has underperformed all year, but especially recently, I have a hard time seeing it happening. I've been a big Gabe Kapler fan, but one thing Gabe Kapler needs to do right now, Wilson Ramos, I know he's coming back from injury. He needs to play more. Bottom line, he must play more. I understand taking it slow with him. I understand being somewhat cautious in your approach. But Wilson Ramos is the best hitter on this team. And he needs to play 80% of the games from here on out. If you really are serious about making the postseason, he needs to play more. And you need some other guys to step up. The two guys in the lineup that I'm most confident in are Hoskins and Franco. They're the two who have shown the ability to do it recently. Odubel Herrera did it, but not, not in the last three months. But they need desperately the offensive production to to sort itself out. The bullpen is is you know worrisome at times. I think ultimately though, the bullpen can can do a, a good enough job, not in the game Tuesday night, but they can do a good enough job going forward if the offense can just put some runs on the board. Now we'll talk about the Eagles Carson Wentz when he could be back in the lineup and preview Thursday night's preseason game against the Browns. <laughs> Thursday night in Cleveland, Eagles-Browns preseason game number three. This is really the uh, preseason game where you'll see the starters the most, obviously. Probably the entire first half, maybe even a little bit into the third quarter. And it's going to be exciting and exciting to see the opponent as well. The Browns are, are an interesting team this year. One of the most interesting teams in the league. Been watching Hard Knocks, recording this on Wednesday. Watch the uh, third episode of the um, series last night. and. Man, my one takeaway is Hugh Jackson's an idiot. I mean, this guy might be the worst coach in the NFL. He's just so underwhelming, just looks totally overmatched. And I go back to the first episode, if you've watched it, um, when he's having a meeting with his coaches, and he's pretty much just telling them when they're trying to give, you know, advice. Guys who have been head coaches in this league, Todd Haley's the offense coordinator, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator experienced coaches in this league and they're trying to, you know, give their opinions and their thoughts on maybe what what the team should do about practice time and reps and a bunch of different things. And Hugh Jackson basically just shoots him down and just says, we're going to do things my way. I don't care what you have to say. 
real good way to handle your coaching staff and to uh, buy their respect. Um, I just go to thinking Doug Peterson just won a Super Bowl with this collaborative approach where a big part of the Eagles' success last year, I believe, was due to the the contributions of guys like Frank Wright, guys like John Filippo, guys that, unfortunately, the Eagles lost in the offseason because they did such a good job here. And when I see Hugh Jackson just basically shooing his coaches aside and say, we're going to do it. My, yeah, great great way to do things, Hugh. It's gone great for you the past couple of years, one in 31 in two seasons. So I'm not a huge, Jack, huge Hugh Jackson fan, but I will say that's an interesting team. They got a lot of talent. Um, I like Baker Mayfield. I like his personality. I don't know how good of a player he's going to be. I didn't love him coming out of college as a prospect. I don't th- I don't like the comparisons to Johnny Manziel. He's better than Johnny Manziel. He's 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 not a knucklehead like Johnny Manziel is. Baker Mayfield had a little trouble off the field, but in general, a lot of his p- issues came on the field. Um, some sportsmanship situations, the whole thing in uh, Kansas on the sideline, uh, motioning to the other sideline, stuff like that. But apparently his teammates love him. He's done everything right since going into Browns camp. He's had a good preseason, and I'm rooting for him because I I like Baker Mayfield as a guy. I hope he has a lot of success. And, you know, they got Jarvis Landry. They got Josh Gordon back. They're an interesting team, and it's funny. The episode last night ended with a teaser for next week, and the teaser was you know, how the Browns will be hosting the Eagles in their third preseason game. And Michael Kendricks, who's with the Browns now, said that the Browns have far more talent than the Eagles had last year. Which, you know, that's probably not true. I don't really care that Michael Kendricks said that. He's on a new team. He wants to build the confidence up. He, Of course, he's going to be positive. So I really don't have a problem with that. But it's an interesting opponent this week. Interesting to see how the Eagles match up with Cleveland. And even though they're supposed to be better, this is a game the Eagles should go in. And while the starters play, there's no reason why the Eagles shouldn't dominate this game. Bottom line. I'd like to see Nick Foles play better. You know, obviously had an underwhelming performance before getting hurt last week in New England. He will play. That's a positive. Practiced all week. That's a positive. Because my first thought when the shoulder injury happened was, man, I don't even know if I want to put Nate Sudfeld out there behind a second team O-line because you might have to go with Nate Sudfeld week one. But it appears Nick Foles is fine. He's going to play. And you just want to see him, you know, get a couple, put a couple drives together, put some points on the board, and see the Eagles' first-team offense have a little success. Because this is a real dress rehearsal um, on Thursday night. Uh, you know, still be down some receivers. No Alshon Jeffrey, no Nelson Aguilar. But... First team O-line playing, Nick Foles playing, and it would be nice to see the offense have some success in the same thing defensively. Defense looked great um, in the few series they played against Pittsburgh, but they weren't very impressive last week in New England. Bottom line, it would be nice to see the defense come out, get some stops, shut down Cleveland, Baker Mayfield not starting to Rod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, however you say his name. Um, He's the starting quarterback. Don't know if Josh Gordon's playing. I doubt he plays. He's only been there a couple days since coming back from his rehab um, situation. But it would be nice to see the Eagles come out and dominate the first half. Does does the result matter? No, it doesn't matter at all. Who cares who wins preseason games? But just in terms of seeing this team getting some positive vibes together going into the regular season be good because this is the last time we'll see the starters. They will not play against the Jets 
in preseason game number four. So it'd be nice to see the first teams play well. And, you know, I, I as far as last week, I was really impressed with Nate Sudfeld. He played really well coming in in relief of Nick Foles um, against New England's first team defense, drove him down the field. And, you know, I'm confident that if you have to throw Nate Sudfeld into a game, that he can at least move the offense proficiently and keep you in it. You know, if you're playing the right team, Nate Sudfeld might be able to keep you in a game. I mean, obviously, Nate Sudfeld playing in a regular season game would mean something went horribly wrong. But if he is called upon at some point, I I have some some confidence now that he could come in and do a decent job. Now, as in regards to the quarterback situation, the situation we've been talking about all, all offseason, who will be the starter week one against the Atlanta Falcons? Big news this week, as Carson Wentz cleared for 11-on-11 drills, he returns to full workouts. And, you know, I think he probably could have done them all along. If you remember, Carson did 11-on-11s very early in training camp. Then they backed him off because, you know, maybe they saw some bodies flying around his legs, and, and that scared him off a little bit. And rightfully so. But Carson Wentz, you know, from everything you hear, he looks great. I saw him down at camp a couple times. He does look, you know, very mobile. Doesn't look like he's favoring that leg, that knee in any real um, tangible way. And I think he's playing week one. Obviously, there's no way to know for sure. There's no way to, to guarantee that at this point. But just reading the tea leaves, I think he's playing week one. The fact that he's doing 11-on-11s now... In fact, they got him going now. He was never going to play in the preseason. Bottom line. They were never going to throw him out there in the preseason. But the fact that he's doing 11-on-11s now, you know, as long as he's cleared medically, which, you know, that's the big hurdle. And that's what they've said all week, is that Carson Wentz must be cleared medically. And it's not a football decision. It's a medical decision. But you just get the feeling that things are trending toward him playing week one. In the end, you know, people don't want to hear this. People don't you know, think this way really, but it doesn't really matter in the long run. One game isn't going to make or break, make or break your season. Doug Peterson said that earlier this week and Nick Foles, Nick Foles showed he can get you through a few games. I mean, he won you a Super Bowl, So I would not be concerned if Nick Foles is out there week one, but I just get the sense Carson Wentz is going to be ready to go. The fact that he's participating in full team drills now, three weeks ahead of the regular season, kind of exactly when you would want to see him back out there. They're splitting reps now. It'll be interesting to see how the reps are divided next week. Uh, The backups will get all the reps in the preseason game. But now that the Eagles are implementing the game plan for Atlanta, because that's the interesting thing. Yeah, they're doing a little, you know, minor game planning for Cleveland because in the third preseason game, you go through the motions and just go through that process of preparing your players to play a certain opponent. So they're doing minor game planning for Cleveland. But this is when you start to implement the plan for week one against Atlanta. And I don't find it coincidental that this is when Carson Wentz starts to participate. Just as the Eagles begin to practice the legitimate game plan for week one against the Atlanta Falcons. And 
as far as when you're going to hear an announcement, I don't think you're going to hear an announcement until under a week up. Whenever the Eagles, the Eagles will stretch this out as long as they can, and they should. They don't want to tip their hand to the Atlanta Falcons. Why would you? Why would you want to do that? I know everybody here is eager. I know all the fans are eager. I'm eager. But in the end, there's no reason to tip your hand. Make Atlanta think. Make the Falcons prepare for Nick Foles and Carson Wentz because they're two vastly different quarterbacks and they'd probably be two very different game plans. So there's no reason for the Eagles to announce a starter right now and and they won't. Now, before we wrap up, I want to talk about the issue that is taking the NFL by storm in a negative way this preseason. No, it has nothing to do with the anthem. It's the helmet rule. And the outrage over some of these penalties being called in the preseason. So the topic of conversation that has really dominated this NFL preseason has been the new helmet rule. And some of these penalties that have been called. And I I got to say, you know, I don't like to be an alarmist. I don't like to um, just overreact for no reason to things. You know, in large part, I think there are, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of fake outrage, a lot of things that get blown out of proportion that aren't a big deal. Like take the Anthem stuff, for example, no matter where you fall on it, I don't think the Anthem is a a big contributor to lost ratings in the NFL. You know, you may disagree with me. That's fine. I don't think that is really contributing to, you know, ratings declines. I think ratings decline because ratings are declining everything. You know, I don't think the Anthem is really turning a lot of people, making a lot of people turn off NFL football games. But I have serious concern here about this new helmet rule because some of these penalties that have been called have just been absurd. I mean, completely ridiculous. And it's it's very troubling to see, you know, these, these plays that are normal football plays. You know, I'm all for making the game safer. It's a dangerous game. But I want it to be safer. Nobody wants to see serious injuries. Nobody wants to see serious head injuries. Nobody wants to see situations like what happened last year with Ryan Shazier. Nobody wants to see that. But you can't be throwing a flag on every single play for hits that are legal. You can't ask players to do things that they are not physically capable of doing. And that's what this league is doing right now. They are asking players to do things with their bodies that they are physically unable to do. I don't know how you make a tackle without using your head in any way. You are taught. I played football my entire childhood through high school. You are taught to, yes, lead with your shoulder, but you're also taught to put your head on the football. You're supposed to use your head. You're supposed to keep your head up, but how somebody's supposed to tackle like with their head backward. I, it doesn't make any sense. The league came out on Wednesday and said they're not going to make any changes, any adjustments to the rule, which I think is a complete mistake. This this is a league that cannot get out of their own way. It's the most popular sport in the country. They have everything you'd want out of a pro sports franchise. It is so huge in this country, but they can't get out of their own own way. They've screwed up the domestic violence stuff. 
They've screwed up the anthem stuff. And this helmet rule is is another thing that they are just making a huge mistake on. And they're fortunate they haven't lost people yet. They're fortunate they haven't lost people yet with with with, with you know just the way the league's run in general. This is what'll turn people off. The anthem stuff, I don't buy. That's not that's not making people turn off football games. I don't care what you say. I know a lot of people out there, you know, believe that's the case. I don't. This will really hurt this league. If they are calling the same things in the regular season, this is what I'm hoping. They're just calling some of these things in the preseason to kind of drill it in players' heads that we want to take the head out of the game. But once the regular season comes, they'll scale back a little bit. But if they continue to call plays in the regular season, the way they have called plays in the preseason, and it starts affecting games, it starts costing teams games, it's going to be a major disaster for this league. And they are going to be losing viewers. And it could be the beginning of a downfall for the NFL. I truly believe that. All for making the game safer. But when you see some of the videos of some of the plays that are that they're calling. These are perfect form tackles. And and they're 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 throwing flags. And I don't even understand what they're calling. This is the problem too. The refs aren't properly trained on this. The refs don't even know what to call. The refs came in tried to explain to the Eagles. The Eagles players Malcolm Jenkins said were more confused after they left. So I I am very concerned when this starts costing teams games, it's going to make a lot of people angry. And if the product becomes unwatchable, which it could, this could be the thing that finally starts turning people off to this league. That'll do it for Trash Talk with TK. I am TK Tom Kelly. I'll be back on the air on 94 WIP this weekend, Saturday night into Sunday morning, 2 to 6 a.m. Please join me then. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.